are listening to Power Producers Shop Talk, where we are refining and redefining the sales game by equipping you with the tools you need to differentiate yourself in the marketplace. Well, it's like when we audit the mod with Magic and give them the action items that they're going to use to lower their total cost of risk. Tactical skills that will help you provide deliverable value to your clients and prospects. Technology is not an expense. It's an investment. Look at what ThinkHR has done for our clients and even our team. It's an amazing product, and I'm so thankful we have that. And action items that you can provide to take your prospects and clients to the next level. Things are changing for us in 2021. Not all big business anymore. Now that we have Cover Wallet on our team, it's amazing that we're going to be able to write small business profitably. This is Power Producer Shop Talk production redefined are you ready to feel the power it is friday and christian delosier is ready to close his week out i am gonna name him on every single one of these episodes with said like if nothing else i know i can make steven smile when I he's gonna his love name. it He is. People, listen, if you even think you're going to write public entity anywhere in the Midwest of the United States, just call Christian and hand him the account now because he's going to take it from you anyhow. He's a cold-blooded killer when it comes to it. He is, dude. He is. It cracks me up. And he, he, um, Christian, like, he operates at different hours of the day than what I do, according to my text messages. (laughs) Probably like three in the morning or what? (laughs) I don't know. It's funny because, like, Ryan Hanley gets up early, and so if I ever get a message at 5.15 in the morning, it's Hanley most of the time, and it's gotten to the point where Annie will roll over and say, what's Hanley want, want now? Like, what's he wanted, what's he want at this point? So, anyhow, it's all good, man. I, I, I don't. It's funny because I'm so used to carrying – like, I never even used to carry my phone into a meeting, but now I just leave it on silent and leave it in my pocket the whole time. And my, my phone's mm-hmm. on silent – 24 7 365 because i gotta watch if, if somebody's calling me i know because my watch vibrates so i never i never turn it on it doesn't wake me back up anyhow so whatever but anyhow we are here today with mr steven sedlak and we left the last episode talking about using content to get into places and you know i wanted to talk with him about it because steven has had some success with his book that he wrote. I mean, the guy told you on the last episode and on his original episode when he came on to regular power producers about the fact that he leads with workers comp literally 100% of the time. So what did he do? He wrote a book about workers comp called the work comp effect. So I want him to talk about that a little bit and how he sort of what the process was like for you. When did you say, you know what? I got a great idea. I'm going to go write a book because for me, I can't really say I put a lot of thought into it. It was just sort of like when Forrest Gump started running from one side of the country to the other for a while there. He just started running and it mm-hmm. happened. That's kind of what happened with my book. I just was like, you know what? I could probably put this into a book and help Dude, some people. Dude, I can barely read. I couldn't imagine trying to write a book. Yeah, it's, um, <laughs> it's not as hard as you think. It's an interesting process. Yeah, it, I just it's feel not like as hard I, as I wouldn't have is. enough to talk about. I don't know. Well, it's not a forced thing, right? I, yeah. No, it's not. I mean, it's not hard. You know, I got my degree in journalism, so I had a little leg up, I guess. Uh, so I went to Mizzou for journalism. I had a few school. Pulitzer Prizes before I decided to pen <laughs> the old book. I was a ghostwriter no, for a guy named Stephen King. No. Maybe you've heard of him. 
<laughs> no, I just I realized that really quick that uh, it's going to be real hard to make a lot of money in that industry. So uh, and that wasn't <laughs> wasn't my my game my long term game plan. Um, so no, so I had a background in it. I've always kind of liked to write. Um, so I guess it was back 20 years before even the pandemic. So it was 2019 and I had just left a conference for an association and, um, there was a guy that had I just left the author's club in New York with my friend, John Grissom. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. no. And I, uh, you know, I, I had a book from a guy that was at this conference and that's when it kind of hit me. I'm like, you know what? I go, how many of these times do you go to these conferences and there's a seminar you're at and they always put up their book and immediately your, your mindset goes that this guy knows what the hell he's talking about. You know, he's got a book out there. So I've always, for the last, this was probably two years into me really focusing on work comp. And, and I knew that I knew there's shit about work comp that I could put it all in a book. Now I have seven steps in there. That's not all of them, but I mean, I don't want to, like I've said before, I don't want to bore everybody with a book. I tried to keep it under a hundred pages, um, as I could. So people would actually say, you know what, I can quickly read this, you know, not, not going to be something that's going to make me gouge my eyes out. You still might, I don't know, but, um, so, you know, the whole process was I just sat down and just made a little, some bullet points of topics I wanted to hit on um, with that. And then I just started typing and it took me about, I think it was maybe end of September, early October of that year that I started it. And by the time I was done actually writing it was December, middle of December, early December, before Christmas. I know that. And then I went through the process of getting all the artwork done and um, getting it, you know, copyrighted and then published onto Amazon, which is not a hard process in itself. You know, what I did is something that anybody could do. It's you, you can have it self-published easily. Um, you Kindle, what is it, Amazon, Kindle, Kindle Direct. Kindle something. Direct, KDP. man. K KDP.amazon.com. It is simple. Um, you know, there's some steps you got to go through. You have to have it copyrighted. You have to have it formatted properly. Um, but the whole purpose of it, like I said from the beginning, was to drive business and use it as a factor to to get new clients. You know, after I got it copywritten, I, I had calls from publishing houses saying, hey, we want to, you know, let's, let's see if we can get this published and out there. To me, that wasn't the purpose of it. Um, the purpose of it was to garner new clients. Um, if I make a couple bucks off of it here and there, that's fine. But that wasn't the purpose of it. The purpose of it was to, you know, I, I can sell as and many books that I'm going to sell to bring on a large account. Just it's a lot easier to go out and get a large account in my eyes than to push a book out there and promote it and get it to bring in that amount of revenue. So, you know, the, the way I've been able to do that, though, is just, <clears throat> well, again, it was to go do seminars and leave it as a leave behind for everybody. I published it January of 2020 and a month later COVID hit and every seminar and, you know, everything that dealt with those, those conferences were put on hold or canceled. So kind of had to pivot with that. So then I started doing online ones with uh, associations cause they were just, they were just starving for content for their, for their members. So I did it through our chamber of commerce here. I did it on a pilot manufacturers, one that we're, we're a member of, um, uh, a land improvement contractors association we're members of. I would give these seminars and then anybody that was on that, I would either do a giveaway for gift cards. Uh, we'd have a hundred dollars worth of gift cards. And every time I'd send out a gift card for those giveaways, I'd send the book. We got, I don't know, probably 20, 25 clients that way through that. Um, and then just, when I'm very focused on my marketing with uh, 
high mods, high premium mod work comps. That is an integral part of, of my marketing with them. And at some point I mail them that book, whether it be, there's got to be some interest from them before I'm going to mail it to them because otherwise there's going to be a book coming in the mail. But after we've had a couple conversations um, and maybe I'm struggling to get an appointment set with them that just isn't working, that's when I'll send it to them um, and say, hey, you know, I know we're having a hard time getting something on the books. In the meantime, take a look at this. Maybe this will help you that way. And more times than not, that'll start the conversation back with them. Like, hey, you know what? Let's 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 do get something on the books. I like that. So it's in, how how edgy are you when you do that? Because I'm I'm sort of of the mindset that if I was going to send a book like that, it would probably be accompanied with a note that said, "Hey, I just wanted to send you this book so you can let your agent read it. It's probably something they should have read before they represented you." No, uh, you know I, I want I want them depends. to know I'm not the guy who reads the book. I'm the guy who wrote the book. Well, I have, I did have a, a, a friend of mine, his brother owns a construction company. And obviously I'm being sarcastic, right? I'm not going to well, do that, right. but I, I would want to, well, like that's, that's how I well, think about it. Well, now you say it, I do have a friend whose your brother owns a construction company in middle Missouri and uh, he was visiting his brother down in Key West where he was living at the time and he had the book there and he took it home and his brother sent me a message, hey, I got your like book, Steven loved it. I feel like Stephen is giving us like gold right now and we can't hear any of it. Well, I wish it was gold. No, he said, yeah, he goes, hey, I, uh, so I. I got your book, I read it and I loved it and I gave it to my agent. And I go, well, that's great, but why isn't your agent doing that now? And he goes, well, that's the thing. I really like him. I want him to use it. And I go, well, if he doesn't, let me know. And this is where it stood. I'm like, the whole purpose wasn't for you to give it to your agent, but it, he didn't buy it. I didn't send it to him. So it was a different story that way. But no, when I'm sending it to him, I usually have an idea of what their issue is because we've had the conversations a little bit of, you know, what's hurting their mods. Um, so what I'll do is I will, I'll put a mark in there of, of a chapter that say, Hey, I think you need to read this. This is where your issues are, are driving from, or this is something that might help you. So I'm giving them a place to go that that'll resonate with them. Well, my thought process is twofold. Number one, I've read your book. I think it is easy to read. I think it's easy to understand. I tried to put myself in the position of somebody who knows nothing about workers comp, which wasn't overly difficult for me to do. And then, you know, read it just from that, that perspective. And I mean, I would encourage everybody listening to this podcast. It's not an expensive book, like go out and buy the work comp effect on Amazon. And you can understand number one, you're going to learn about how somebody who's really good at leading with workers comp, leads with workers comp but more importantly you can understand kind of from a marketing perspective how this works so well and gains you instant credibility i've always been a huge proponent of producers blogging and creating content in a micro environment that's an easy thing to do it trains the producer it creates a habit but it also gives them credibility because i've always felt like if you're in an appointment and like Look, there's a 100% chance that we're going to talk about return to work in literally every single appointment that we go into, mm -hmm. every time. And so, you know, you talk not about return like to easy, work. Or, I mean, it's not that it's not an easy conversation, but it's, it's sometimes harder for them to follow. So if you've got like a blog right. that you can back that up with or say, hey, look, I know that it was a little bit of a deep conversation today. Here's a blog that I wrote, you know, whenever check it out and, and, and maybe that might answer a little bit of, of the questions that you had and we can, yeah. can, you know, reconvene and have another meeting afterwards or something like that. 
yeah, it's an important enough topic that we didn't want to, you know, we obviously couldn't devote enough time to it in this meeting today, but I did write a series of articles on the different segments of a return to work program and why it makes so much sense. If you want to, I'll send you the link when I get back. You know, I want them to read that, not just because of educating themselves, but I want to capture the fact that they actually clicked on the link in the email, went to my website, and then see how many other pages they went to, how much time they were on there, and everything else. But, and I think that that works. I think that you take that to a completely different level when you have an actual published hard copy yeah. book that you can send right. to somebody or you can hand them. And I think that it's also important to know that actually writing the book is just the first step. The other step is what do you do after the fact? So I know, you know, just from conversing back and forth with Steven, that he's got his book in his email signature so that people can see a picture of the cover of it and they know that he wrote it and what in they have a general idea of what it's about and they can click and and learn more from there. So I mean he's doing the right things to market around the fact that he has the book as well. You know, to Kyle's point about whether or not it's hard to write, if I have to write fiction, it's probably going to be a struggle because I've got to be in creative mode. I have to be thinking through and, and, and making things up essentially, but to write nonfiction about something you do every single day literally, if you just sit down and you say, these are the things like I could probably write a book called what I talk about in every appointment and get a couple hundred pages out of it just by doing the bullet points that I talk about in every appointment. I wouldn't be able to put it in my email signature though, because my email signature picture is as big as this freaking screen is. (laughs) It is nowhere near as big as Raphael Duran's. (laughs) I saw his yesterday and almost died. It is not that big. His is bad. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I don't. I mean, like, all he has to do is go in and make it smaller and Outlook, like, just I know. click on I it. I just and, have, to, yeah, I have to do it every time, and it's annoying. I prefer to let it stay the way that it is because I get humored by it <laughs> when I get a new email. But I mean, that's that's part of it. What else have you done though, from a marketing standpoint, as far as how you use that book to demonstrate credibility? I think the email signature piece is is solid. Yeah, you know, um, I usually drop it, um, like. So my book is different. I, you know, I'm not going to go out and advertise to my clients that I wrote a book on all of the things that they're actually experiencing in real time from a sales process standpoint. Mine is more, you know, geared toward other agents or salespeople or whatever else. I, I'm actually in the process of putting something together. Similar, not not the same as to what Steven is, but similar concept uh, that I'm going to be able to use in part because I think, I mean, because I really like how Steven's doing it, but um, you should have an audio you know, version I, that Morgan Freeman's voice is the, is the reader. I don't think I can afford if him, I, but there's a knockoff Morgan Freeman I can get. I'm sure. If there is anybody ever that's going to read my next book for audible, I will have to find somebody because he's dead now, but it needs to be Macho Man Randy Savage. Dude, I knew you were going to say that based on our conversation and our meeting yesterday. There's a 100% chance. And three different times, I went to Google Images last night to look for a picture (laughs) of older Macho Man Randy Savage in Spider-Man the movie because I was going to take a screenshot of it and text it to you. (laughs) Steven, we went 
we were on a new business appointment. Yeah, not a new business appointment. It's one of Kyle's accounts, but it might as well have been because I've never met him before. Just because of the timing with COVID and everything was really kind of right. weird. But it's a, it's a testament to Kyle called on these people and they were his client when he was in office supplies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And th this is an account that by the time you factor in the auto, the GL, and everything else is probably twenty five, thirty thousand dollars in agency revenue. Yeah. And so, you know, we we're in the process of onboarding those lines that were not up when we originally moved everything over and wrote it. And um, I, you know, had you met him before yesterday? Uh, yes, um, once and very briefly. But I, I mean, it's been it, it's been a couple years. Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, AK Agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. Cast certified. Um, so. so I'm going to tell you something. This is actually really good, a, a good rabbit hole that we went down because I did something yesterday based on my training that everybody should do. And that is you acknowledge everybody in the room, whether you know who they are or not, because you never know who that person is. And so I knew who the mom and the daughter were because we did a Zoom video mm -hmm. with them. Mm -hmm. This guy, I swear, this this guy looked like he was just – Johnny Plummer, like that's it. I had no idea he owned the company. Oh, I had really? no idea. I thought that no, I had no. told you that beforehand. No, I had no idea he was oh. even going to be in there. I just thought he was a random plumber that was sitting in there. So when we walked that's why in, it was so hard to get everybody on the same page because they needed to get them two and him there at the same time. Oh, got it. Okay. Well, now it makes yeah. Anyways, no, that makes more sense. But naturally, I went in and I see this guy sitting there. So I stuck my hand out and introduced myself to him, only to find out that he's actually the owner of the company. So people, don't ever not introduce yourself to somebody because this is a guy that you know, honestly, probably not somebody I would hang out with, right? I mean, I think it's fair to say that. Not this guy's not going to be. Not that he's not a good. Not not a good dude or whatever else, but he look stuck his hand out. He had a freaking Rawlings catcher mitt attached oh, to his yeah. wrist, oh, like yeah. his hands. He had the bear paws. Like this guy was definitely definitely a plumber, and you know he. <laughs> Kyle said, "What would you say? He probably just hammers an eighteen pack of Bush Lights every night after work, and then chews up the cans after." <laughs> yeah, and there was no doubt in my mind. There is a hard pack of Marlboro Reds, possibly one tens, in his pocket. <laughs> um, were they rolled up in the sleeve like they used to do back in the day? No, he had them in his front pocket. But you know, it was just it was a really it was a. Uh, he was exactly who you would expect to yeah. be the guy that was a good plumber that started his own company, but never abandoned the fact that he really, really embraced being a plumber. Yeah. But he looked just like, he looked just like Older. Macho Man. Yeah, right. I well, mean, you he say, had, he had, I, I agree on your point like where, you, where you're saying don't ever, you know, not introduce yourself to somebody or, or, or 
judge them based on they are. There's a guy over in this area. He owns, uh, have you ever heard of Billy Bob teeth or those fake teeth make you look like a hillbilly? Where did I just, I just saw some, did you share something on LinkedIn about yeah. it or was it somebody yeah. else? Okay. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I follow him on LinkedIn. His name's Jonah White. Um, yeah, I was going to say, because I saw something on there about how many pair of these teeth, like they cut their original operating agreement on a napkin, like yes, legitimately. Yeah. And he, he showed a picture of the napkin that he found or his mother had found or something in a yeah. filing cabinet. I read the whole thing, but yeah, go ahead, man. Very, yeah, very no, interesting. But he, he, he had said something where he was at a, he had started a new line of baby pacifiers that you know, on the outside, it showed Billy Bob teeth basically. And he was at a trade show and this lady came up and didn't have credentials, didn't have a name badge on her anything just looked like she was just wandering around and maybe got lost in the hotel lobby and was looking at the pacifiers so he thought it was just a little grandma wanted something for his for a granddaughter so he went up and said hey you know i'm joan i'm the owner here i want you to have this and she goes oh great hands him here is her card and she's like the chief purchasing officer for walmart and nice. he said, if I would have just like not done anything, who knows where they've been? He goes, now we're in every Walmart in the country with these. Hey, so talk about that an note, organization that needs the work comp effect on their shelves. You know, no. you need to, you need to get into Walmart. <laughs> I know I need to go to these trade shows where he's at and get with her on it. But agree. That's the thing. You, you, you gotta always, everybody's got a story. Everybody can get you into to somebody. Everybody knows somebody. So everybody's a prospect in my eyes. I never know, man. Well, it goes back to, you know, and I've told this story, I think on the podcast before, but it goes back to my days of selling satellite dishes. I went into, I went to a place, double wide trailer. Um, you know, and, and as I look back now, there were so many contextual clues that I just completely missed is a, a, a 19, 20 year old kid that is just basically fearing for his life that somebody's going to show up on the porch with a double barrel and uh, open it up yeah. in my chest cavity. Um, which, you know, is entirely possible in wild, wonderful West Virginia. But, um, you know, I, I went to this guy's house and here, I mean, it was a, a double wide that did not have a skirt around the bottom of it. So like you could see the exposed plumbing and stuff underneath the trailer. What I missed was the fact that there was a brand new Ford truck in the driveway, like brand spanking new and went in and talked to him. And so, you know, the, the deal with that job was if I could get somebody approved for the, the credit, the revolving credit to, to buy the dish and the programming, I had them for life. Like there was no way I wasn't going to close that deal. But I went in and I made, I, I said, look, I said, I, you know, we'll see if I can get you approved on the financing. And, and it was definitely not the right thing to say. He's like, who said anything about financing? I'm going to pay cash, blah, blah. And he goes in, he pulls out a shoebox. Dude had probably close to $10,000 mm. in a shoebox underneath his, yes, mm. it was a waterbed um, in the trailer. <laughs> but I mean, I, I think that we all can learn from that. And it's something that I consciously to this day have to remind myself. Like it because I, I, I go through that. Man. That was one. That was one of the things that we said to all of our new trainees in uh, in, in the Quill days. Man, was you can't walk up to a business and prejudge based on the way that it looks yeah. or you know who's there or or what the name of the business is. You've got to go in and talk to them because you just never know. It's a hundred percent true, and I mean, I to this day there are times where I'm like. God, I got to drive 45 minutes to get to this appointment. Let me just double check. Let me make sure this is exactly, you know, and, and I'm starting to try and talk myself out of going to the meeting because I don't feel like driving over or whatever else. And yeah, people, I'm being honest. Like, I think all of us feel that way at some point. Yeah. And so 
I always go back to that story. Like, don't pre-qualify people until you talk to them. And I, I laugh because when I'm in some of these different online agency groups, I'll see people like not being willing to take the first meeting. Like, oh, no, they're just a price buyer or no, this guy's not somebody you want to work with. That's not my theory. My theory is you take 100% of the first meetings. It doesn't mean you have to stick around for the whole time, but at least get in there and give them the opportunity to talk to you about what it is, you know, their company and what they need from you and all of that because you may find out it's exactly who you want to be talking to. You know, a lot of times I see agents say, well, there's four other agents in there competing. Well, guess what? You have the opportunity to go in and get the other three fired. Right. Do it. Or like the other well, I think it goes back to what we were talking about. I, was saying, I think it's almost like what we were talking about in the last episode is that, you know, that mindset of you try to talk yourself out of it. And that's what my old boss at ADP always told me. He goes, when you get to that point, just take a step back and say, should I do this? And the answer should be yes every time. You know, if, you, if you've gone through with it, you set the appointment and you're trying to talk yourself out, you set the appointment for a reason. Again, go check it out. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But something else might come from it anyway. You know, you might end up having an appointment next to somebody that turns into a, pro, a client that you didn't even know existed there. Yeah, that or they could end up being a good uh, referral partner. I mean, that's something that you and right. I talked about the other day, David, with, you know, I had appointment set up with a uh, that Marvin set for us that wasn't necessarily like a um, a good workers comp lead or, or anything of that nature. Um, but, you know, after after looking into what they do, I mean, they were a commercial land uh, real estate company. So, I mean, the perfect opportunity to have a conversation with them to, you know, to see if it makes sense to um, talk about having a channel partner relationship. Right. Right. I'm thinking Marvin calls for me on Fridays, man, because once again, he is lighting up Loaded my up. inbox with new business appointments this morning. You also morning. need to block yeah. off your Monday if you haven't, because I keep, I mean, you keep forwarding me the mon Monday ones that are set up during sales meeting. And so, anyhow, another conversation son for another a, day. Son of a gun, man. You know what? I, for whatever reason, not blocked. I didn't. I, I have. I have it on my calendar. I just didn't make it recurring every Monday. So right. I'm on it now. We're good. Cool. We're good. What, uh, Stephen? What else have you done with the book to market it? I mean, one of the other things we're going to talk about in an upcoming sessions email marketing because I know that's something that you've had some success with. Yeah. Want to talk about that a little bit and some of the things that we've done that's that's worked here. But as far as uh, how you've used your book, anything we haven't talked about? In uh, an offset point from that is that you know we're, I'm writing articles for for trade magazines, um, and from that you do get some inquiries from people. Um, it might take time for it, but and those most of those articles are derived from little aspects from the book or just tweaked a little bit. Um, you know, I had one here that came out yesterday for Pilot Enterprise. You know, Pilot's one of my little niches we go after, and little Pilot Enterprise magazine. You know, we got a two page little you know article out there for for them middle of the, the magazine, you get increase from that. And in, in my buy bio that I give them, it, it talks about the book. So then I'm going to, you know, when somebody follows up that way, I'm going to send them the book. If they even just had a question, a single question about something, I'm going to send them the book that way. So I guess that's one aspect a little bit. Um, now that things are opening up back up with conferences, it is going to be back out there and giving seminars for them uh, and leaving it as a leave behind for everybody. I can, as we've said, the, I can buy those books for dirt cheap. I can buy them for a little over two bucks a piece. You can't buy most marketing material for, for less than that. You know, if you want to get something customized with your logo on it, you're still looking at a couple bucks. 
end of the day, if I mail that thing out with a little note card in there, I'm five bucks in the hole. But that's that's nothing compared to most things. So no, you got people paying twenty seven dollars for freaking auto leads for personalized. Yeah, you know, five bucks for a middle market commercial account, a drop in the bucket. Right. You know, I so Especially I do the same thing. Similar. Of them, it pays for all the money that you just shelled out and then some. Oh, and, and then some. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, so for oh, me, easy. when I take my book, like if I'm going to get up and speak to a group of agents or whatever else, I will always go with a, a bunch of my books and I get the roster of who's going to attend ahead of time. And then I write a handwritten note to every attendee in the front cover of the book so that when they get their welcome to the conference or whatever, they've got a per, their own personalized copy in there when they when they show up so I, I think that that's a nice touch it's certainly the extra two minutes to do that but again man i mean that's just another way to differentiate yourself anybody can give them a book but to give them a book and then actually pop a note in there with their name and company name and all of that other stuff there's no way you can fake that no it's not and and this has happened to multiple occasions where i've before i've gone out on a first appointment whether we've had a phone conversation or we've talked about it and we decided it was good to meet in person finally um there's been multiple times that i've shown up at, at these prospects offices and they have the book out and highlighted you know they found value in it already and, and majority of those we end up taking over by bor you know we end up taking them over because they realize that what they're doing and what their current agent is doing is not helping them at all. And just a simple, I mean, there's nothing that we do at that point. You know, I mean, after we do, but I'm saying is like, it, we walk in and they basically say, here, I've read your book. I, I, I think you can help me take it over. That simple. Yeah. It's crazy how easy it is. We've been going long enough. It's time to wrap it up. People, the work comp effect. You can get it on Amazon. Or, you know, you could just send Steven an email and click on his email it's signature and get it yep. from there. But get the book, man. I mean, I don't get paid anything for telling you to do that. I read it. I got something out of it. I think it's a, a good read. It's a quick read. You know, you'll learn how to position yourself to sell workers comp in the at the point of sale. But you can also see some of the things that, that Steven has done to educate people, whether you're an agent or a buyer on the whole workers comp process. So uh, we're going to be off to the races again when we do our next two. But I tell you, before next week, you better have that book and read it because we're probably going to throw a bonus out there with a question that you can respond to and, and get some sort of a prize. Who knows? Delosier will be the first one to respond. So Delosier responded three weeks ago because he anticipated <laughs> us asking that question. He's like the Chuck Norris of insurance. Delosier doesn't read books. He stares them down until they give him the information he's looking for. So, yeah. <laughs> all right, we're wrapping up with that. Delosier, have a great weekend. Steven, thanks for coming on, man. We'll talk next right, time. Guys, See ya. It. been listening to power producers shop talk you can follow us at the power producers podcast on facebook and instagram and if you want to take your game to the next level check out our commercial insurance training course at killingcommercial.com or visit amazon to pick up a copy of our international best-selling book the extra two minutes